Welcome to the Faith Assembly Podcast. We're so glad that you joined us today. It is our desire at Faith to help you connect, grow, and go in your walk with God. We hope you're encouraged by this message from Pastor Steve. I want to invite you to turn with me to Exodus chapter 20. Exodus chapter 20. When I was a kid, I'd be out working in the yard, doing whatever, you know, we do, cutting grass, dragging trees, whatever we had to do. I would be working with my dad, and mom was in the house. Saturdays usually meant that my house smelled like pine saw. Inside and a little bit outside. Because that was mama's cleaning day. And daddy would always tell me whatever he wanted to say. He'd say, son, run tell your mama. And he had a specific thing. You see, what he was doing was he was sending me as a messenger. He didn't say, make up something to go and say, but he told me what to tell, the message to bring, the word to deliver. And I went and told Mama what Daddy wanted me to say or what he wanted to say to her. And you know, hearing from the Lord is not an exact science. I can't hold a seminar here in this room today to say to you, listen, if you want to hear from the Lord, then you need to do X, Y, and Z. And if you'll do X, Y, and Z and make this, meet this specific criteria, then you can know that you've heard from the Lord. Let me tell you how to know that you've heard from the Lord. How to know that you've heard from the Lord is to walk in fellowship with the shepherd. It's to walk under his leadership and under his guidance in the power of the word and the communion of the Holy Spirit to the point that when you know the shepherd and when the shepherd speaks, you know his voice. Because when he speaks, it doesn't sound like the sound of a stranger. But it's a very familiar Sound and you know you've heard from the Lord and if I know anything I know I've heard from the Lord for this morning and I mm, I believe that the word that I'm about to share with you today is a word of deliverance for somebody in this room Maybe several people in this room. Maybe somebody who's watching online. I Want to talk to you today about the topic of idolatry and It's always my pursuit as I wait for a message in preparation to stand before you as a preacher of the gospel that I do just that very thing, that I come to you as a messenger. And the Lord impressed upon my heart this week the idea that we as believers need to be careful that we are not bowing our hearts to the idols of this generation. You know, idolatry is one of the most often addressed sins or problems in the entire Bible, Old Testament, New Testament alike, there's often an address there that is warning us that we not lift our hearts to idols and to false gods. As a matter of fact, in the first five books of the Bible, there are 50 laws that are written that deal with the issue of idolatry. 
And one of those laws we find in Exodus chapter 20, and it's a, as you begin to read through Exodus chapter 20, you'll say, man, this is very familiar. I think I've heard these words before because there are 10 phrases that begin with the words, thou shalt or thou shalt not. We call them the Ten Commandments. And we pick this narrative up here or this word up in Exodus chapter 20 and we begin reading in verse 1. And we read these words from the Lord. It says, and God spoke all these words saying, I am the Lord your God. And if you scribble in your Bible or you're taking notes or you highlight or you, as I do, uh, are OCD and you have to underline everything with a red ink pen with a ruler so that all your lines are perfectly straight, then you need to do that here. Exodus chapter 20, verse 2, because this is key. This is crucial for it to get down in your spirit today. But you need this word buried deep in your heart today, right here, verse 2, that says, I am the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt and out of the house of bondage. If we are speaking symbolically here this morning, what God says that he did for the children of Israel in delivering them from Egypt's bondage, the same has been done us through the blood of Jesus Christ, that he has delivered us from the land of our enslavement and he has brought us out into a land of liberty and whom the Son has set free is free indeed. The Lord continues and says, but you shall have no other gods before me. You shall not make for yourself any carved image, any likeness of anything that is in heaven above or that is in the earth beneath or that is in the water underneath the earth. You shall not bow down to them nor serve them, for I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God, visiting the iniquity of the fathers upon the children to the third and the fourth generations of those who hate me, but showing mercy to thousands, to those who love me and keep my commandments. You know, we hear passages like Exodus chapter 20 and a host of others especially in the Old Testament as God is addressing the issue of idolatry and you hear God saying things to the people like do do away with all the idols and all the carved images and all the likenesses and the statues and all those things and just put those things out of the land and destroy them and don't do any of those things don't make a golden calf don't make a carved image don't make anything to set up to worship and maybe you hear those words in the context of an Old Testament people who lived in the midst of a pantheistic society and you say well you know I'm not sure this word is relevant for me today well for any generation to appropriately understand and apply the principles taught in the Word of the Lord you have to contextualize it to your generation and as we're reading this you've got to understand because we're a people we're a people, you say, Pastor, I don't have any idols in my house. I don't have any idols. I don't, I don't, I don't have any carved images or anything. that I, I don't burn incense to anything. I don't bow down before anything. I don't kneel at any other altars. I come to church every Sunday. I lift my hands. I praise the name of Jesus. And so I'm not sure you're really talking to me this morning, but I am. 
I know I'm talking to you this morning because I've heard from the Lord. You say, well, wait a minute, Pastor. I've, I've got Joshua 24, 15 hung over the doorposts of my house. I've got, oh, taste and see that the Lord is good hung up in my dining room. Me and my wife, we've got 1 Corinthians 13 hanging all around our bedroom to declare the love that we share for one another. We attend church. We raise our hands. We praise the Lord. We don't have any carved images or anything that bears the image of a false god. But as I said, the context in which we're reading today is of a people who, who lived among and were a part of those pantheistic societies and they had a God for everything. They had a God for the moon and a God for the stars and a God for the sun, a God for the trees, a God for the water. And, and if they encountered a new problem, they simply carved themselves a new God. And they worshiped it and they sacrificed to it. And God says, don't do that because I am your God. I am the God that has brought you out of darkness and into my marvelous light. Don't do that. You don't have to do that because I am the God of more than enough. I will supply your needs. I'm going to lead you to abundance. I will deliver you from the hand of your adversaries and break the ties that bind in your life. There's no need to do that. I'll be whatever you need. Simply trust in me alone and your life will be the better for it. Over the years, as I said, it's been necessary to contextualize the principle of this message to our own generation. And I've heard this message contextualized many different ways in my lifetime. And throughout the decades, I've heard people talk about this idea of idolatry. And in the book of Deuteronomy and throughout the Bible, we see the practice of idolatry is the worship of false gods. And in the past decades, we've often heard idolatry spoken of in terms of things, material things, tangible things, things like houses and cars and recreational activities. And some of you kids growing up in the youth group, you've learned that your PlayStation can be an idol. And, you know, we, we, assign, we assign images to these idols and we tell people this is the epitome of idolatry. This is what it means to have an idol. And, you know, there is certainly a hazard associated with those things because nothing should consume so much of our time that it robs us of time with the Lord and time spent in the presence of the Lord. But the truth is, if we're going to appropriately contextualize this subject for our own generation, then we must understand that idolatry has never been about the things that we hold in our hands, but has everything to do with what holds our hearts and what holds our affections so much to the point that it has captured our attention and it has replaced God as the supreme being in our lives. I believe that idolatry in this generation has an entirely new face. 
I, I believe that with all my heart. It's not Baal. It's not Dagon. It's not the Asherah pole. It's something far more binding and far more powerful. It's not a dumb image that has no power to hold sway over our lives, but it's a powerful faceless, intangible gods that are able to rob us of the blessing of God in our lives and cause us to walk discouraged and defeated. And we need to make certain today that we are not bowing at the altars of false God in our, gods in our lives. I believe further that there are a lot of well-meaning, well-intended Christians who are bowing faithfully, even if unwittingly, at the altars of some of these modern-day idols. I believe the Lord wants you and I to walk in victory. You believe that? I, I believe today that the Lord wants me to walk in victory. I believe today that the Lord wants me to walk in abundance. And, and I've got to tell you something. I want to walk in victory and abundance. I, I want to walk in that, and I'm telling you that I'm here today not for me to stand here and you to sit there and me to speak ambiguously about things that I assume you're going through. No, I'm telling you I'm on a pathway towards the abundance and the favor and the victory of God in my own life, and along the way I'm discovering some things. Along the way, I'm discovering the things, some things because God is showing me things in his word and he's speaking to me by his spirit. And during last week's worship service, I was standing right there on that patch of carpet and God dropped a bombshell in my spirit and he said, my people are worshiping at the altars of false gods and they're sacrificing their abundance and blessing, struggling needlessly and languishing and they're not even aware of what's going on and I believe that we're oftentimes not aware of what's going on because there's always been this practice associated with the worship of false gods and you'll see it over and over and over especially in the Old Testament in the Old Testament God speaks to Moses and he tells him explicitly how to build an altar and he says to him in that instruction he says and do not plant a grove of trees around my altar because Jesus said that those that worship the Lord are going to worship him in spirit and in truth not shrouded in secrecy and non-disclosure but we're going to worship him in the open but when the adversary comes in and he begins to lead us astray, it's all bound up in a, in a, in a facade, in, a, in, a, in a, a, a facade that keeps us from really seeing what's going on. And the reason that God spoke to Moses and says, I want you to build this altar and I don't want you to put a grove of trees around it is because it was the practice of the idolaters and those that worshiped false gods in that day to erect an altar to their God and to plant around it a grove of trees so that the sounds that emanated from that place sounded like the sounds of worship. And the activity that could be discerned from a distance looked like the ritual of religious ceremony. 
But if you could get in there beyond the grove of trees and see what was really happening, you would see people engaged in the most grotesque kinds of worship where they were even going as far as sacrificing their children on the altars of false gods. And I believe today that we are seeing this, this faceless these faceless idols being revealed because there's a situation that is exacerbated by our modern society whereby we're able to see through all of the weeds and look right at the heart of what's going on and where we're really worshiping and where we're really offering and sacrificing things to idols in this generation. It's no longer about the long work weeks and how that's taking you away from the house of the Lord and all those things. No, 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 no. We can worship, we can worship idols standing right in this house. And I'm going to illustrate it for you in just a minute. I'll show you how it works. But I believe the Asherah poles have been cut down. The trees have been cut down and things are being laid bare. And I believe that the Lord gave me three words as names for idols in this generation that the children of God need to be aware of because we are sacrificing at their altars. Number one, and they all begin with the letter A. Consequently, I love how the Lord works. That makes us all now members of the triple A. Congratulations. Number one is affirmation. 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 We have an insatiable, we as human beings have an insatiable hunger to be affirmed. We want somebody to tell us we are worth something. We want somebody to tell us that we are good enough. We want somebody to tell us that we are worthy to be loved and to be honored and to be befriended. We hunger for it. We thirst for it. People post pictures of themselves all over the place with all of these kind of suggestive sceneries and everything just simply so somebody will affirm them. Maybe it's with a word, maybe it's with the click of a button, maybe it's with sin in a heart. I don't know what it is, but we do that over and over and over. And at the altar of this false God that we serve, we will sacrifice our sense of self-worth and dignity. If somebody won't affirm us, we will not feel like we are worthy. We will not feel like we have any value. We battle with discouragement despondency we get all tore never did I think I would ever live to see the day when a person's emotions could rise or fall live or die on the basis of how many people like my picture But I can, I can be I can be lifted so high or slammed so hard and I'm not alone. There's a lot of us. We can, be, we can be really like have this emotional euphoric high if enough people will like our stuff and affirm us and tell us that we look pretty or we're some kind of talented or we're doing a good job, all those things. If we can get that affirmation, we'll be so high. But when we throw it out there with the expectation and we don't receive it, we're crushed. 
I want to tell you something today, church. God has already affirmed you with the ultimate authority when he said that when you were yet a sinner, I loved you and I sent my son to die. Let me, you were worth it all along. Even when you were at your vilest, even when you were at your worst, even when you were bound in the mire of your sin, I loved you so much. There's no greater affirmation than Jesus Christ saying, no man takes my life, but I lay it down for you. For you, because I have loved you with an everlasting love. Mm. I'm affirming you in this. You see, materialism, here's the interesting thing about the society we live in today and some of the, some of the technologies we have. And you, you may disagree with me here, and that's okay. That's, it's your right to be wrong. <laughs> but I don't believe that materialism is as big a thing as it was a couple of generations ago. I really don't. Because we live in a society where we can drag and drop, we can crop, we can Photoshop, and we can filter anything that we want anybody to see us with. I don't have to own a yacht. I can go down to the waterfront and take my picture with the yacht and put it online. Matter of fact, I can even word the text suggestive enough to make you think that it's mine. But the truth of the matter is, and the reason I say this, that it's all coming to pass and some of that, some of that scenery, some of that shrubbery is being torn back and we're really able to examine the heart of the matter is because materialism never was as much about me having the thing as it was you seeing me with the thing and affirming me because I had the thing. That's right. And, and we've replaced that now. We've replaced that now with the highlight reel of our life. We don't care whether or not you know that we own a BMW or we take Uber everywhere we go. That's not the important thing. The important thing is that I'm going to show you the highlight reel of my life and I want you to affirm me. And if you will not affirm me, it's going to destroy me because I serve the God of affirmation and worship regularly at his altar. The second one is approval. The approval of others. Listen, I, I, I know people that, that have sacrificed entire lifetimes because they have not been approved by someone else. They've sacrificed their happiness. They, people will sacrifice the joy of their salvation. They will sacrifice the peace of God in their lives. They will sacrifice the family that God gave them just because they can't find the approval of other men. Let me tell you something today, church. It's a good day for you because I'm going to share with you that you are already approved in the beloved. You are already approved in Christ Jesus. Through the blood of Jesus, you have been accepted and you can walk in to the presence of almighty God and find rest in him you don't have to sacrifice your joy you don't have to sacrifice your peace you don't have to give up a thing but you can stand in it today because you're already approved in the beloved the third thing is acceptance we all want to be accepted 
And at the altar of acceptance, we will, we will forfeit, we will sacrifice our values, our morals, our convictions. If, you just, if you'll just like me, if you'll just accept me, we will sacrifice ourselves. We will sacrifice every shred of our sanity, uh, the health of our body, anything we can just so I can be accepted. And certainly these are things that, are, that can edify and encourage us. But let me tell you something today, church. None of these things define us. They don't make us. And their absence can't break us. And it can't keep us from being everything that God has intended or willed that we be. It's okay if everybody don't like your stuff. It's okay if everybody don't tell you you're doing a great job. It's okay if everybody doesn't accept you. Maybe they just can't get over the blessing and the favor and the mercy of God that's raining down in your life maybe it's not as personal as you thought it was maybe it's all about that they are jealous of where you're going and what they see God doing in your life say pastor what do you know about these things you you hang around at the church all the time you don't know anything about real life I know about real life I know a lot about real life you, if you want to try the theory, test it out sometime, I'll invite you to preach. You can spend 12, 15, 20 hours with your face in a book, praying and calling out to God, saying, God, give me a word. You can feel like you've got a word, and you can come to the house of the Lord all joyous and expectant for God's people to receive the word and be blessed by the word. And when you get there and you begin to deliver the word, everybody's sitting in their seat and they're going... I got another word for the church. It's this. If you're happy and you know it. Uh-uh, uh-uh, uh-uh. No, 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 no. See, y'all getting ahead of me. Because you, you've heard all your life, if you're happy and you know it, clap your hands, right? So y'all in here. <laughs> I'm so happy. If you're happy and you know it, tell your face. It needs to be informed, okay? All right? You're here in the presence of the Lord. You're here in the goodness of God, walking in his mercy, his grace, and your favor. If you're happy and you know it, tell your crinkled up face that it's all right to smile and be happy. Dear Jesus, I meet some people in the grocery store, and I think to myself, my God, I know life cannot be that miserable. Mm. I tell my wife all the time, I say, honey, help me. If, if I ever am just walking through Walmart and I look like somebody spread some Lindberger cheese under my nose, please help me. <laughs> all right, back to what was I doing? All right. Oh, I know what I was doing. I was down here shamelessly ploying for your acceptance of my message. That, that was what it was. Yeah, so at the end of this, you'll say, good job, Pastor Steve, good job. Because if you don't, I'll be crushed and go home and... Not really. Okay, sometimes. Okay, but I'm just trying to be real with you, okay? I'm just trying to be real with you today and let you know that this is, it's, a, it's a common malady that we all struggle with. 
And I, I, you know what? Here's the thing. We, we know these things. This affirmation, the acceptance, the, the accolades of men, the approval of others. We, we know that these things are traps and snares for us. But the thing is, we will gladly make ourselves subservient to them. And if you don't know what that word means, subservient means that, we, means that you're prepared to obey others unquestionably. That whatever, whatever it says, and, and we've got all these emotions in us. If somebody doesn't affirm us, if somebody doesn't approve us, if somebody doesn't accept us, then we've got, this, we've got these commands that begin to come. And that, that idol says, be fearful, and we live in fear. That idol says, be anxious, and we live anxious lives. That idol says, strive, and we strive. That idol says, yield, and we yield. That idol says, sacrifice God's peace on your life, and we sacrifice. God's peace that idol says surrender your joy and we surrender your joy but I'm telling you today church it's time for the sacrifice at the idol altars to stop and God's people to rise up and take back God's blessing and reclaim his favor and goodness in their lives I want to ask you with those three words came four questions and I want to ask you today just to listen to me for just a minute here as we're closing and just, just see if any of this uh, is applicable to your life. Because I want you to ask these questions and I'm going to challenge you that if you can fill in any of those blanks with a concluding statement, that you need to take it back to one of those altars and see where you drop that thing off and you need to say, there it is, that's mine. That belongs to me through the shed blood of Jesus Christ and the anointing and the power of the Holy Ghost. And I'm telling you, with God's help, I'm more than able to take it back and I aim to have what's mine in Christ Jesus. But I want you to finish, if you can finish any of these statements, I want you to really take an examination and say, hey, am I sacrificing here at an altar? Like, am I really letting my life be dictated whether or not I can be joyful by how many people like my stuff on Instagram? I mean, is that a thing? It is a thing. But I want you to understand, maybe, maybe today contextualizing that in a different way and saying, hey, that's an idol because God said that you can have that joy. And if you are putting that above God, who determines your joy, who determines your peace, who determines your hope, then you're making that thing an idol. It would be so easy for me on any given Sunday morning to, to put idols above God to say, well, God, they didn't like my message today. I guess I'm just a stinking preacher. Or to say, God, you know, there wasn't enough people here today. I guess, you know, that's what it, what it is. No, then I'm putting those things above God. Rather than just being obedient and walking in the calling, I'm putting those things above God and making them idols in my heart. But I want to ask you these four questions. Can you finish any of these sentences and say, I would be happy if, or I would live a more satisfied and fulfilled life if, or to say, I could be joyful, but. The word says the joy of the Lord is our strength. There's no, there's no disclaimer there that says, hey, you know, it, at the end of God's verse there that says the joy of the Lord is our strength, there's not one of those fast-talking guys that do the legal on the radio commercial to tell you all the disclaimers as to what might be different in that scenario. No, it's, again, that's what God said, that's what God meant. 
joy unspeakable and full of glory. Maybe you could finish this sentence and say, I will walk in peace when? No, no, the peace of God is not conditional. The peace of God is not conditional. The peace of God passes all understanding. It just, it guards our hearts. It guards our, even when we're passing through the most dire and, and, and terrible of circumstances, we can still possess the peace of God in our lives unless we've laid it down at the altar of an idol and said, I'm going to make myself subservient here and I'm, gonna, I'm just going to sacrifice my peace right now. But if you can answer, if you can finish any of those, fill in the blanks there with the concluding statement, take it back to one of those altars and see if you're sacrificing something that you're in your life at the altar of one of these false gods. Because I want to tell you something today, church. God has given you some stuff and he didn't need any of the world to validate it for you. When Jesus said, I've come that you might have life and have it more abundantly, he didn't mean that you could have it if the rest of the world would validate it for you. When, when the word says that you can have the peace of God that passes all understanding, it doesn't mean that you can have it if the rest of the world will validate it for you. When the word talks about joy unspeakable and full of glory, it doesn't mean that you can possess it if the rest of the world will validate it for you. No, the word says greater is he that is in me than he that's in the world. And if God said I can have it, me and God are a majority and I'm going to have it. So, real quick here as we close up, you can go ahead and stand. Because sometimes, especially in the Old Testament, when we're reading these passages, at least in my imagination, we can read this Exodus chapter 20 verse passage, and the voice can sound so ominous and so threatening and so thunderous, intimidating, as we hear the voice of the Lord say, thou shalt have no other gods. And when he says, I'm a jealous guy, it just sounds so rife with harshness. And when we hear Jesus say, you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. When we hear those things, it's not because God is an egotistical tyrant that's bent on having you and I under his thumb. It's because he knows the plan that he has for your life, a plan to lead you out of bondage and into a marvelous freedom, a plan to prosper you, and a plan to cover you with peace, a plan to fill you with joy, a plan to satisfy your life with good things. It's because he knows that every time we yield our hearts to one of these idols will be sacrificing some of the blessing that he gives and the enemy wants you and I to sacrifice those things continually on the altar of an idol to be led deeper and deeper and deeper into bondage but God is trying to lead us out to abundance and freedom and we need to be careful this is not a word of condemnation I hope I've made it clear to you that if I'm not careful myself that I speak to you from experience, I know what it is 
to just get caught up in these snares and life just all of a sudden becomes a mess just because somebody didn't say the right thing or they looked at you the wrong way or whatever but I want to tell you the, the blessing of God for your life is not contingent upon any of those things you have God's approval you I want you to look at somebody right now look at your neighbor and tell them I have God's approval that didn't sound very confident I'm gonna have you do it again and louder this time okay one more time look at your neighbor look at your other neighbor and tell them I have God's approval you have God's approval and that is all you need I mean don't don't misunderstand me those other things are nice they are nice if you if you want to see somebody with their chest poked out and their shoulders back look like they're walking on a cloud when I walk down off of this platform if my wife looks at me and says baby you did a good job It's edifying I, I know it is but it's not your life it's not your life that like button didn't build you those those hearts aren't gonna add anything to your life it's edifying I know it feels good but it can be a snare it can be a snare it can be an obstacle from the enemy and it's an altar there and it's just waiting and tempting you to take all of the joy and all of the peace and all of the hope of God and just lay it down and surrender it there and say my life is nothing and when we do that we're putting that thing above God and that's idolatry father we come to you in the strong name of Jesus Lord God I thank you for this word I thank you for this message it's been an encouragement in my heart this week and God I pray that it will continue and God I pray as well that it will continue in the hearts of the hearer today we hope you enjoyed this inspirational message today if you would like more information about Faith Assembly please visit us on the web at faith-assembly.org thanks again for joining us and we hope you have a blessed day